You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Transformers, Part 6. Enjoy. So I'm ready. I'm ready to be changed right now, right here. I'm so glad that we're free from religion, that we're in a vibrant relationship with the one who made us, that we don't have any uh, political points to prove. We're just here to experience the one who saved us. Hallelujah. We rolling over there, Judah? We're cooking? Okay. Hey, let's get ready. Let's get ready to just receive everything that the Lord has from us. He came that we would have life and life abundantly. Don't let anything pull your focus off of his love for you, right? Father, we're here this morning, and we're expecting to experience you in a deeper way. There's nothing else worth living for. Lord, you're the reason we live, to taste and experience you, to fulfill your purpose in the earth, to let everyone know how amazing you are. So here we are, and here you are. Woo, boy. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way in our hearts. We freely give you every thought, every feeling, every dream, every desire, and say, illuminate us with the light of Christ by your spirit and through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, we've been having some fun. We've been in our, got back into our Transformer series, and we're going to continue in that because we, we've got some good stuff going on. But we're talking about being transformed by the goodness of God. And whether you realize it or not, that's why you're here. And this might be your first day here, or you may have been here for a while, but I believe God brought you here because he wants to demonstrate his love for you. He wants you to experience his goodness in a very real way in your everyday life. And so that's what we're talking about. And we begin to experience the goodness of God when we toss out wrong beliefs and, and a lot of man-made religious tradition. We just toss that aside and we replace it with the real Jesus. Man, everything changes when that happens. So what we've been doing, we've been going through and looking at some man-made ideas and some wrong beliefs about God. And our purpose at Highway Church, we've got a really, really simple uh, purpose for, for, for starting this, this place, and it's for people to experience Christ. We want to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We know Jesus never came to establish a religious organization to establish a religion at all. He came to bring men and women back into union with the one who made them. And that's why we're here. And, and while we're talking about that, as we're talking about live streaming, because I really believe that some things are going to burst open here. And uh, we're right on the threshold of, of what the Lord wants to do here. Um, but you know, the devil wants your life to be complicated. Did you know that? You ever, you ever heard someone answer a question? You ask them a question, they say, it's complicated, Right? That's what the devil wants. He wants you to think of a thousand things a minute, you know. He wants your life to be complicated, but you know what? God wants to simplify it. Amen. And when, when, when you let God simplify your life, boy, the weight just drops off. And you feel flexible again. 
and agile and you can and you can go in the direction he wants you to go but you know why the devil wants to try and complicate your life so he can hide behind things so he can distract you and steal from you but we're not going to let him do that we're going to keep things simple and i really felt the the lord impress that upon my heart as we started this to keep it simple so highway church we're keeping it simple we want people to experience jesus that's what we're about and as a result of people experiencing Jesus, we have a vision. This is what we see happening. You want to put that up there, Eden? It's, um, yeah, right there. Mm -hmm. We see a vibrant, growing church where people are experiencing God. Pretty simple, right? And moving forward, right? Because the past is over, right? We're new creations in Christ. Old things are behind us. All things have become new. So this is our vision. We see a vibrant, growing church where people are experiencing God and moving forward in his destiny for their lives. I like that. And, and years ago, back, I think it was back in 2012 and 2013 when I was praying about all this, I, I, uh, the Lord led me to Isaiah chapter 35. And Isaiah chapter 35 is a short little chapter, but it talks about the dry places becoming pools of water, and the barren places becoming beautiful, flourishing gardens. And I believe that's what the Lord wants to do right here in this area of the nation, is to transform it into uh, burgeoning and flourishing pools of water and gardens of God's presence, that it will become a, a place uh, of uh, a sanctuary or a place of refuge for people to come and know him. And how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to, we have three ways of doing it. This is the how of our vision, and it's so simple. You can put that up there. There's only three things that, that I believe the Lord wants us to, to focus on to, to bring people into relationship with him. And the first thing is what we're doing right now, our worship services. A lot of people are afraid to come to church because they're not sure what's going to happen. They're not sure what kind of weights are going to be strapped to their shoulders and their backs, you know. So there's the, the idea of coming to church, even saying the word church is kind of a, no, thank you. And boy, I've been there and I can relate. So we want to we wanna create a place where people want to come because they're experiencing Christ. All right. So our, our weekend gatherings uh, are really our primary vehicle for getting people here in, in, and letting them know how good God is. Okay. So our worship services are our primary vehicle. And then the second thing is our get-togethers. During the week, we get together in homes. So it's good to, to leave our homes and come together in public and corporately worship him and experience him together. But it's good to experience him in our homes too. So that's our get-togethers. And the third team thing is our dream team. And that's anyone who helps help the first two happen, right? <laughs> so anyone who helps put the worship services togethers, together or the get-togethers together. Yeah. But that's what we're doing here um, at Highway Church, and I, I, I really felt uh, impressed to pray for a facility, um, that it's time to stop renting and time to get into a place where we can set up and, and, and make it the way we want, a place that meets our needs. Um, and you say, praying for a facility, already? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is going to go beyond what we've uh, dreamed of or imagined. I'm excited to see what God does. Um, and also, I felt felt that we should start streaming our services. People want to know how much God loves them. 
They want to know that God is not, doesn't want to lay heavy weights on you. He wants to take them off of you so that you can be free to run in his plan for your life. So that's what we're doing. That's why we want to live stream and we want to believe God to expand and to grow. And ultimately, we'd like to find some land. I'd love to have about 90 acres and just build some, some uh, facilities that enable uh, us to introduce Jesus and people to experience Jesus in a, in a corporate way. So we're excited about that. And removing wrong beliefs from our minds is a part of relationship with him. Because believing wrong things about God can block what he wants to do in your life. It can hinder you receiving from him. So we've been doing this series, Transformers. And you remember the song, right? Transformers, more than meets the eye. Yeah. So there's more to you than meets the eye. There's more to life than meets the eye. There's a spirit realm. And we want to experience the fullness of God, spirit soul, and body. So we've been looking at examples of some wrong thinking, some wrong believing. We talked about self-atonement. That's a big one in religion, that you have to atone for your sins in some way, but you can't do it. Jesus already did it for you. We talked about what real baptism is. It's faith in Christ, that we become one with him. We put our faith in Christ. And then we started talking about this giant one, this biggie that's really... It takes time to dismantle this thing, and we called it fate, F-A-T-E. And uh, we're not going to go back into all the things we started, but, but please listen to the messages, review them. Listen to them more than once with your Bible. Go through the Scriptures and meditate on those promises. Guaranteed, if you grab a hold of the promises of God, you will be transformed. But we've been talking about this idea of fate, that, there, that your life is beyond your control that we're kind of like puppets in this supernatural game and there are supernatural forces pulling our strings, you know, and that every outcome of life is determined by this, some supernatural power. And it's really like a a superstitious belief. And many Christians don't realize it, but they're very superstitious in in their thinking and in the way they believe. And you remember what the definition of superstition is? It's really simple. We said last week, it's a widely held but unjustified belief, right from the dictionary. It's something a lot of people believe, but there's really no justification for it. Uh, And let's talk about some more of these. And I want to go into some scriptures. Um, And you remember what Stevie says. Judah, can you play a little bit of of Stevie, just so we we don't forget? Because Stevie really nailed it on this one. This is what he says about superstition. Yeah. Yeah. So Stevie tells us when you believe in things you don't understand, then you suffer, right? Superstition ain't the way. Well, the prophet Hosea said it this way. He, you know, I think he toured with Stevie. And no, actually, Hosea was back for the day. But Hosea said it this way, Hosea 4.6. Let's pop that up there. When you believe in things you don't understand, then you suffer. Superstition ain't the way. Hosea said, my people were destroyed for lack of knowledge. Same thing. Lack of what kind of knowledge? Knowledge of who God really is. Who he is and what he's done for us. Lack of knowledge of that. And there's a, there's a, a gross void in the body of Christ of the lack of knowledge, or, or of the knowledge, excuse me, a gross void of the knowledge of God of who he really is and what he's already done for us 
in Christ. So we want to fill that up with Jesus. And we learn that our beliefs, what we believe, even though you can get 10 million people to believe something, it doesn't make it true. So our beliefs don't determine what's true. That's so good to know that. Sometimes we start thinking that they do, right? Well, I believe it. Well, it doesn't really matter because truth is not a philosophy. Truth is not a, a political concept, right? Truth is not a man-made thing. Truth is a person. And his name is Jesus, right? So what I believe doesn't change who he is, but what I believe does determine how much of him I experience. And that's what's important to know about our beliefs. So if I'm believing wrong things about him, it can block what he wants to do in my life. So we want to remove those roadblocks. So here's an idea of, of some beliefs that are out there that reveal a lack of knowledge of who God is. Have you ever heard someone say this? God moves in mysterious ways. Maybe you've said that before, right? God moves in mysterious ways. You know what that reveals? Someone who doesn't know his ways. Someone who lacks knowledge of his ways. Now, if God hasn't revealed his ways to us, I can understand that. But he has. In Christ, even before that. Look what Psalm 103.7 says. He made known his ways to Moses. And that's Old Testament, right? He made known his ways to Moses, and then he reveals them in verse 8. So what are God's ways? Well, he's compassionate. He's gracious. I have no idea what time it is. So, Judas, can you fix that clock? I don't have my normal clock with me. The Lord's compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. Okay, now I'm knowing his ways. I don't have to think of him as mysterious anymore, right? He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Now, this is prophetic, speaking of what he would do for us through Christ. In fact, in Isaiah 54.10, it says because of what Jesus would do, he'll never be angry with us again. Isaiah 54.10. Wow. He'll never rebuke us again, it says. You can read it for yourself. Very powerful. Jeremiah 32.40 says because of what Jesus would do, I will never stop doing good to them. These are his ways. Did you know that? God made a covenant with you through Christ to never stop doing good to you. Jeremiah 32, 40. You can check it out. Verse 10, he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Who told you that? And why'd you listen? He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. In fact, in verse 3 of the same psalm, it says he forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. These are his ways, right? God doesn't want to be mysterious. His name, Jehovah, if you study that name, I'm the God who makes myself known. Okay? He's the one who makes himself known. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's high, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, right? We've become the righteousness of God in Christ. 
13, look at this one, God's ways. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Wow, isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 11? You know that one? That's a good verse, right? How much more will your father in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? He talks about the difference between earthly fathers and his heavenly father. How about verse 14? He knows how we are formed. He remembers we're dust. Verse 15, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it. It's gone. It's placed where it numbers it no more. Verse 17, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. These are God's ways. Didn't Jesus say, I'm the way? Right? I am revealing to you who God is, right? In fact, that's in John 14, 6, but a little later in the chapter in 14, 9, Jesus said this, he who has seen me has seen the Father. <laughs> I like that. So Jesus has revealed the ways of God to us. Yeah, so Jesus has revealed the ways of God, so God doesn't need to be a mystery to you anymore. The devil wants him to be a mystery, doesn't he? So Jesus revealed the ways of God, and he states his purpose in John 10.10. He says, the thief, that's Satan, right? He comes for, for one purpose, to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's about. That's why he wants to enter your life. But he says, in stark contrast to that, I've come. Here's God's ways now to give you life and life more abundantly, Right? These are God's ways. We're knowing his ways. Acts 10.38 says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. So you got the Trinity right there, right? God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see that? The, all three, God's ways. He anointed his Son with the Holy Spirit with power, and with power, who went about what? Doing what? Good. So God's good, isn't he? God's not hurting people. He's helping people. About doing good and healing, not making sick. He's the healer. You wouldn't know that with some of the messages you hear from certain churches. You'd think God was making people sick, but he's not. He's never made anybody sick. Went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So when God is with you, God wants to do good in your life. He wants to heal. He wants to deliver. He wants to strengthen. He wants to set free. And I know there are a lot of scriptures that people have taken out of context or, or misunderstood and say, well, what about this? What about this? And we are going to get to those. And as I prepare each week, I'm so excited about getting to them. And then there's a number of other things that I, 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 we don't want to rush it. And we're not a fast food church. We're like a, we're a home cooking kind of church. And I, I, I mean, I like, I like meat that's been slow cooked and it's moist and juicy, and it falls off the bone and melts in your mouth. That's what we got right here, okay? We want that moist, juicy, promise word of God that falls off the bone and melts in our mouth, right? So we're going to let God do it. So don't be in a hurry. He's transforming us. He's changing us. So this Jesus, he's revealed it to us, and Hebrews 13.8 says he's the same. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And I remember when I first came to know the Lord, they said, well, that was, I read, you know, the Gospels and Acts, like, wow, this is Jesus. And some said, well, that was just kind of a special time. You know, God doesn't really do that anymore. When did he change? Where does that, where does it say that he changed? You can't find that. He's the same. Yesterday, today, the same God in Acts that makes the lame walk and raises the dead is the same God right here in our midst in the person of the Holy Spirit this morning. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. So that's one belief, right? God moves in mysterious ways, and that reveals a lack of knowledge of God's ways. There's some other stuff out there that reveal a lack of knowledge of what God's already done for us. Because you could pray for things that God's already given you. And boy, I see that happen a lot. People praying fervently for something God already gave them in Christ. We don't want to do that. For example, have you ever heard this term, putting out a fleece for God? Or, God, if you want me to take that job, make that red light turn green. You ever done something like that, right? Or let the phone ring tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock if, you, if this is your will, right? That reveals a lack of knowledge of what God's already done for us. What do I mean? Where'd that term putting out a fleece come from? Anybody know? Yeah, in the Old Testament, right? In the book of Judges, God spoke. Well, you'll see throughout the Old Testament, they asked for signs. Why did they ask for signs in the Old Testament? Their spirit was not alive to God. There's, they had a covenant with God, a blood covenant through Abraham, but their spirits weren't born again. The Holy Spirit wasn't living in them. Okay? In the new covenant, no one could be born again until Jesus rose from the dead. Okay? He was the firstborn from among the dead. And no one could be filled with the Holy Spirit permanently until the Holy Spirit came after Jesus ascended. They couldn't have that in the Old Testament. Okay, there are times in the Old Testament when the Holy Spirit would come upon someone, but it wouldn't be permanent. It would just be for, a, for a, uh, something that needed to get done or for a prophecy or for something like that. All right? So very important to understand that. So when we're reading the Old Testament, it's a whole different ballgame, whole different dynamic. Okay? So Gideon, God spoke to Gideon, and Gideon said, God, if this is you, show me a sign. I kind of forget the order. I think he said... All right, in the morning, I want this fleece, right, to be wet and the ground around it to be dry, and then I'll know it's you. And in the morning, that happened. They said, okay, God, if it's you, then tomorrow morning, I want the fleece to be dry. No, the fleece to be dry and the ground wet. So I might have mixed them up, but you get the idea, right? And that happened. Well, that's not for us anymore. We have a much better way of knowing God's will for our lives. What is it? His spirit inside of us. When you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit took up residence inside of you. And if you want to know what God's will is, the answer's in your heart. Isn't that awesome? The answer's right here because that's where the Holy Spirit is. If your heart is fully committed to following Christ and walking in his ways, you can't miss the will of God. You can't miss it. And his grace will get you there one way or another. doesn't mean you can't make mistakes. But God, who knows the end from the beginning, he's going to get you there. And it's a great comfort because we don't have to worry. John chapter 10, verse 4 said this about hearing God's voice and knowing God's voice. 
He's speaking about himself, the good shepherd, right? When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. That's an excellent confession to speak over your life. Father, I hear your voice, and I obey your voice. I follow you, the voice of a stranger I will not follow. Have you ever said that about yourself? Let's say it. I hear your voice. I obey your voice. The voice of a stranger I will not follow. Oh, you don't hear the voice of God. Come on. Yeah, I do. Yes, you do. You'll hear it if you just believe. Because his spirit's in you. Isn't that wonderful? And when I say voice, I'm not talking about an audible voice like my voice you're hearing right now. Because that can, there's some room for error there. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit. This is what Romans 8.14 talks about. Let's look at this. It's good. We're, 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 we're being transformed. We're learning what God's already done for us. So we don't need a red light to turn green, right? We don't need the, that tree to blow a certain way. We don't need the fleece to be wet in the morning because God's living inside of us now, right? It says, for as many as are led by signs... No, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Verse 16, 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage. And that's what that kind of thing is. It's a bondage. It's superstition. Oh, no, that vase just fell off the shelf and I was praying. What is God trying to tell me? It broke. The vase broke. And I was right in the middle of prayer. God must not want this to happen in my life. Right? I went to the store and someone stepped on my shoe and my foot and ah, oh, right when I was thinking about something, God's trying to tell me something. That person should have never stepped on. I mean, it just gets crazy, right? That's not God. That's, that's superstition, okay? You didn't receive that spirit. I remember as a kid, uh, you remember, we, I think Alan and I were talking about step on a crack, break your mother's back. Remember that superstition? I don't know where that came from. So I'd walk home from school, and I'd be jumping over all the cracks on the sidewalk, you know, thinking of my poor mom. <laughs> you know? But I, there were other things. Like, I'd be walking along, and, and just a thought came in, you better go over there and touch that um, wall before 12 o'clock or something's going to happen. You know, I'm like eight years old, and these, these thoughts are popping through my mind. But there are spirits of darkness out there trying to lead you to put your faith in other things than Jesus, right? So you didn't receive this spirit of bondage again to fear, and that's what those kind of thinking brings. See, Satan is the god of this world. He can manipulate things. He can make circumstances appear a certain way that, that we don't follow that. We follow the spirit. You receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And here's a verse, verse 16. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So we're not looking for any external signs to confirm God's will in our lives. Not one. And if you are, I want to encourage you to change. This is much better. We have an internal witness of the Spirit to lead us in life. And how do you know that witness? Well, it'll, it will agree with the person of Christ. It will always lead you closer to Him. And there will be a peace of Christ with it. You got to have that peace or you don't do it, right? And, and uh, 1 Corinthians 
Let's see. Well, actually, we won't go there, but Colossians talks about it in verses 15 and 16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So you're filling yourself up with the word of God, the promises of God, and the Holy, that gives the Holy Spirit uh, an open door to communicate to you. And then you're listening in here. And when God speaks to you, there'll be a peace in here, not always here, but here. Okay, sometimes here you're kind of tilting, right? Like, how's that going to happen? How's it going to But in here you've got it, okay? So we're people who don't walk by what's out here. We're not superstitious. We don't go by how our, 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 our mind is currently functioning, but we go by our spirits. And we let the Holy Spirit confirm it in our hearts, and you'll know it. Say, how will I know? You'll know. You'll know. And when God speaks to your heart, it never goes away. It just sits there. It's great. Now, it's not like a nagging when the enemy's trying to, you know, condemn you. or It's not like that. It's just this, mm, and it's there. <laughs> That's what we go by, see? We're learning God's ways. Isn't this good? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 Verse 12, I love this. It says, now we've received, Gideon didn't have this, okay? David didn't have it. Moses didn't have it. And you know, in the New Testament, this was a new revelation. I mean, the apostles were kind of figuring this thing out, right? So we're in a better place than James, Peter, and John were. Us right now. We've got the whole thing in one book, right? And we can, we can be... Uh, more solid in the revelation that there was a fresh revelation that was given to them than they were at the time of writing it. Pretty awesome, isn't it? We've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God, that we might be sure and certain of what God's done for us through Christ, right? I like verse 13. Which things also we put into words. We talk about these things. We come together, we talk about these things. In our homes, stop and shop, church, wherever we're at, right? Not in words taught by human philosophy. We don't need any of that. But in words taught by the Spirit. Fitly joining together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-taught words. Isn't that good? I love that. That's the Weiss translation. So that's what we're doing. We're walking with God, and we're not superstitious about it. When there's a void in your life of the real knowledge of God, who he is and what he's done for you, other things will try and fill it. Other beliefs, fear, anxiety, worry. But knowing God's love for you will drive those things right out of your life. They'll drive fear out of your life. It'll drive worry out of your life. So what we do as God's people is we meditate on his promises. We fill ourselves up with them. We had a great time at get-togethers uh, where we played a game called Yes and Amen on Friday night. And uh, what was it? The banana cake team won, right? But the, there's a, a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 that says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes and amen in Christ. So every promise of God has been given to you in Christ. But they won't do you any good unless you know them, right, and believe them. So you want to fill yourself up with the promises of God to hear him. All right. So no to superstition, yes to Jesus. Now, this, this idea of fate, 
of this mysterious unknown power out there that's controlling your destiny has a Christian name for it. And it's been wrongly labeled God's sovereignty. Okay, that's the Christian version. It's basically the same thing now. And we learned last week what God's sovereignty really means, right? You study the word sovereignty, it means above all. God is above all, absolutely, unquestionably. He's the beginning, he's the end, the alpha, the omega, king of kings, lord of lords. But God's sovereignty does not mean that he's controlling everything on earth. Oh, no. The Bible teaches us otherwise. God's sovereignty doesn't mean he's controlling everything on earth. God's sovereignty doesn't mean that everything that happens is his will. People will say everything happens for a reason, implying that it was God's will somehow. Wrong. The reason something happened could have been that the devil was trying to steal from you. Right? Or just we're living in a fallen world that's falling apart. Right? So that everything that happens is not God's will. Jesus clearly taught us this in his ministry. We learned last week that God in his sovereignty made us in his image as free beings. And he's not controlling you. And he's not controlling me. Right? If I could moonwalk, I would try it right now. Because I, I would choose to do it. But, you know, I can, I can, I'm moving back and forth. God's not doing this. I am. I'm exercising my free will. I want to walk over and pick up my water. I did it. I told myself to do that. God didn't sovereignly determine that I should be doing this right now. See, we, we make God into kind of a wizard of Oz that's pulling levers up there trying to, like we're puppets. But he's not doing it. He made us in his image. We're free to choose and to believe whatever we want. And why did he do that? Do you remember from last week? Why did God make us free? You guys remember? Why are we free? Maria said it at get-togethers. She was right. Because right, real love requires real freedom, right? You can't experience love if you're not free. Love is about choosing to love, right? And what makes a marriage great is when both people choose to love each other for the rest of their lives. It's not a marriage if it's forced, right? So that's why God made us free, so we can experience real love. He's given this, us this ability to believe and to choose what we believe. So God's sovereignty is revealed to us in the ministry of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And we looked at a bunch of scriptures last week. We're not going to go through them again. We want to get into, into some other things. But we looked at, for example, Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 29. Now this is God, the sovereign God talking, right? Jesus in the flesh. And he teaches us that what we believe determines how much of God we experience. I mean, you'll see it throughout his ministry. And he said to the two blind men, according to your faith, will it be done to you? Wow, is that huge. According to your faith, will it be done to you? Now, don't let the devil condemn you with this and say, oh, yeah, see, you don't have any faith. No, we're learning to have real faith, okay? God, teach us to have Jesus' faith to have real confidence in you, to know and be sure of who you are and what you've done. Holy Spirit, thank you for doing it, right? So we're learning that according to our faith, it's done unto us. The message, it's probably my favorite translation of this, become what you believe. <laughs> Man, that's an eye-opener, isn't it? Right? So we, Jesus opens our eyes. 
It's not this puppet master up in heaven. It's us made in his image choosing what we believe. What a different picture, right? So I want to believe him, right? Matthew chapter 8, verse 13, I like this. Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done, what? Just as you believed it would. Wow. God has given us authority, hasn't he? Mm, sure has. Matthew 9, 22. Now God chose to do it this way because he knows what real love is all about, right? Matthew chapter 9, verse 22, Jesus turned around, and when he saw the woman with the issue of blood, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Isn't that awesome? I love that. It sets us free. And let's see. Oh, oh I like the Syrophoenician woman in Matthew 15. Let's read that one. Right? He's, Jesus answered. He said, Woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you wish. Wow. And her daughter was cured from that moment. Now, that's what, one, two, three, four. There's just four places. We could go through a bunch more, but you get the idea. Our faith has everything to do with how much of God we experience. Okay? So we want to have real Jesus faith. We want, to, we want to open the door to God in our lives. And that's what happens. Our beliefs can actually limit the sovereign God in our lives. Or they can open the door for him to move. Now, I, I'm not being uh, disrespectful. This is not blasphemy. This is what the Bible teaches. In fact, Psalm 78, 41 says this. Well, let's put that one up there. It says, yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Man can limit God? Yeah. I can limit what God wants to do in my life? Yeah. That's kind of a sobering thought. And <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't want to limit him in any way, shape, or form. I want him to have full right away, 24-7 in my life. Jesus said it this way. Well, it, it, it's recorded in Mark chapter 6 of Jesus. Uh, and he's in his own country, his hometown. And this is, this is the sovereign God in the flesh. You can't make any more God than Jesus, right? He is God. It says he could do no mighty work there. Jesus could do no mighty work there. Why? Except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Verse 6 gives us the reason why. He marveled because of their unbelief. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So he wanted to do miracles. He was, he was trying to perform miracles there, but he got blocked because they didn't believe him. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? So what was his response to that? They say, oh, these stupid people, I'm never coming back here again. No, he went about teaching. He loves us, right? So he went about teaching and preaching the good news in the kingdom of God. That's what we're doing right now, right? And when you hear the good news that God will never quit on you, that he loves you, that through faith in him the, all things are possible, boy, confidence starts to rise inside of you. I think it was Hamdi that said at the get-together we were going through the game and promises of God, and I read Isaiah 54.10, that he'll never be angry with you again. And Hamdi says, that gives me more than confidence. I like that. <laughs> That's good. God's never going to be angry with me again. He's never going to rebuke me again. Wow. There's no condemnation for me ever again. I'm righteous in his sight. The righteousness I have is from him. No weapon formed against me 
shall prosper. It changes us, right? So Jesus exhorts us over and over again to not be afraid and to put our faith in him. You'll see it throughout his ministry, right? Don't be afraid. Only believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Now, we're going to have to finish with this, if I can see the clock right. All right. Mark chapter 11. And I want to encourage you to just uh, eat these promises. Um, when I've gone through different things in my life, you know, ch- challenges are facing me. Boy, I would just find time during the day and I would just sit there. Maybe with Mark 11, 22, 24, Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 9, whatever. And I just sit there and I just read these things, meditate on them. According to your faith, be it done. You have faith in God. All things are possible to him who believes. I was sharing at the get-togethers as well. There was a time in my life uh, where I had a disc in my back crack. And uh, it was quite painful. I was 17 years old, and it it really uh, made walking very painful. But um, I didn't know about healing at that point in my life. It wasn't until probably, uh, well, I came to know Christ at 19, but then I still didn't understand healing until probably I was about my mid-20s, late-20s, in the mid-95, to mid 96. But I had an issue uh, sometime around there, maybe early 2000, somewhere in there, where I did something and my back was really hurting me so that I had to lay on my back. I couldn't, it wasn't very comfortable to walk around. And I said, I don't, I'm not accepting this. Because God has provided a new disc for my spine through the sacrifice of his son. But I had spent time studying healing in the scriptures for about five or six months, just going over the finished work of Christ, that he bore my sicknesses, carried my diseases. And I think it was Acts chapter 2 or Acts chapter 3 where there was a man uh, crippled from, I think, his mother's womb at the, at the gate, beautiful. I don't know if I'm remembering this right. But anyway, uh, and he's, he's healed in the name of Jesus, and they grab him by the hand. And I love the way the Scripture says is immediately, immediately his feet and ankle bones became strong. So there I am laying in my bed. I just meditated on that. Immediately his feet and ankle bones became strong. And I started seeing my disc immediately becoming strong. And within 24 hours, I was up and about and never had a problem again after that. But just meditating on that. So I spent about five or six months studying healing in the scriptures. And then when I, if I had an issue come up, I'd get back in, you know, and I just let it just grow inside of me. And that's what we do. We just meditate in the promises of God because all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible to him who believes. All right, our last scripture. Here he is, my fave, the true goat. Jesus is talking, right? And he's walking with his disciples. For time's sake, we won't go into the whole thing. But he's, he's giving them a real-life example of the freedom we have and how our faith can affect our circumstances. So he speaks to a tree. He's hungry. And he wants figs. How many have had a fig off of a tree? Ooh, isn't that good? Fresh figs. Yeah, but he goes over to this tree, and it's a bummer, right? No figs. And he rebukes the tree. He says, may no one ever eat fruit from you again, and the tree dies. Wow. You know, so his disciples are amazed at this. Not only does it die, but it withers from the roots up. And, and they said, Master, look, the tree that you've cursed has, has died. And I love his response. And he doesn't say, that's because I'm the sovereign God and I have this great power in earth, 
you know, just stand back and, and be in awe. No, he says, have faith in God. In other words, you can do the same thing, right? In fact, in my little, I don't have it with me today, my little Holman Bible, there's a footnote. It says, have the faith of God. That'll knock the religion right out of you. Well, have the faith of God. God wants you to live as he lives. Because it's in the Greek, it's in the possessive. Have my faith. See things like I see them. Talk like I talk. Take authority over your circumstances like I do. Right? Have the faith of God. And then what does he say? For verily I say unto you, that whosoever, boy, I love God. He just opens the door. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. So he's gone from a tree to a mountain now. What's he saying? All things are possible, right? There's no limits to this power, to this life in us. All things are, uh, but be thou removed and be cast into the sea. Shall not doubt in his heart. Doubt is a crippler, isn't it? Right? But we don't let it into our hearts. You know, doubt can be in your mind, but not in your heart. All right? So don't freak out if there are doubts in your mind. Just don't let them into your heart. Right? Just don't let them in. Keep, you just keep them at bay. Uh-uh. I'm not accepting that. I'm not accepting that. In my heart, I know that Jesus has done what he set out to do. He's accomplished it. So no doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. You won't hear this scripture a lot in religious churches because they don't know what to do with this. This is not on their radar. How do we explain this? Well, it, it just it says it all. You don't have to explain it. Jesus said it. We believe it, right? It just takes the religion right out of you. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So you're believing you receive something before you physically have it or before you can see it. That's a different way of thinking, right? I have it even though it may not look like I have it. I believe I received it when I prayed. That's faith, being sure of what we do not see, right? Sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Now, the amplified, excuse me, the message, let's do that one. The message says it this way in verse 22. Jesus was matter of fact. Embrace this God life. I think that's my favorite statement in the scriptures right there. Right? So these disciples who are watching this man in action do amazing things, and they come to him in awe of what he just did. He says, embrace this God life. It's for you. I came so that you could do what I'm doing. Isn't that what he said in John 14, 12? Anyone has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He'll do even greater things than these. Listen, we've said bye-bye to religion, haven't we? Amen. Right? We're, going, we're walking with Jesus now. Aha, we're walking with Jesus. Embrace this God life, really embrace it, and nothing will be too much for you. There shouldn't be one believer stressed out, right? I have to remind myself if I start to get stressed, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus is living in me. I'm walking with God. I'm walking with God. Nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake. No shuffling or shilly-shally. 
Notice he never asked God for, uh, any, about the mountain. Isn't that interesting? So many people are praying for things that they should be speaking to. And it's as good as done. That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything. In fact, if you study that word out, pray in context, it's talking about speaking. Wasn't he speaking to a tree? He wasn't praying to the tree, right? So to keep it in context, that's why I urge you to speak to absolutely everything. This is God's method. Ranging from small to large, speak to the small things in your life, the small issues, the medium-sized issues, the large issues, and the super-sized issues, right? Include everything as you embrace this God life, and you'll get God's everything. I mean, that's a bunch of scriptures we just went through that show us that what we believe determines how much of God we experience, Right? Okay, so I think for sure next week we're going to get into the, some of these uh, scriptures that have been taken out of context, and it's going to be so fun because it really does set you free when you really hear the, the truth behind the words. Like, oh, that's what God meant by that. And it always, bring, when you, it always brings light and life when the word is unveiled, not confusion and anxiety, all right? So we're going to do that next week, but we're out of time right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for time in your presence this morning. Lord, you are changing us. And I pray, Lord, that no one, uh, that, that there'd be no one who hears this message that would be afraid. Lord, that you would quicken our hearts, that we would embrace this God life, that we not be afraid of forsaking religious tradition or things that we may have believed for 20 years, but we with, with great joy embrace you, Jesus, that we would passionately pursue you, that everyone who hears this message would realize you are everything they could ever want and so much more. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let your word that's been shared this morning blossom inside of us and take us to a whole new place in you. In Jesus' name. And Father, I ask you right now by, the whole, by, by, by your spirit to, to shine the light in our, in our hearts and reveal any wrong thinking in there, Lord, any wrong ideas that we may have about you. And I ask that you would do that this week in our lives as we go about the different things that we do each day. Lord, shine the light of Christ. Show us, wait a minute, that's not who I am. Don't think like that anymore. I'm better than that, right? Reveal to us your goodness in our daily lives, Father, that we would know you more each day. In Jesus' name, amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.